It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The FT. Royal Mail privatization. Could the flotation be good news for investors? The Bank of England and the markets have radically different views about when interest rates will rise, but who has got it right? And the financial regulator faces fresh calls to intervene in the £15 billion a year annuity market. I'm Jonathan Ely, and I'll be giving you all the money news this week in downloadable form, with the help of my FT colleagues, Norma Cohen. Hello. Josephine Cumbo. Hello. And joining us on the phone, our special guest, Richard Hunter, Head of Equities at Hargreaves Lansdowne. Hello there. First up, this week, the government announced plans to privatise Royal Mail in the coming weeks. The three billion stock market flotation is being heralded as the most ambitious privatisation for decades. In its statement confirming Royal Mail's intention to float, ministers said the decision was an important step towards ensuring a healthy future for the company, despite intense opposition from trade unions who have already pledged to ballot on industrial action in the coming weeks. Under the proposed transaction, Royal Mail's 150,000 or so employees will be given 10% of the shares, and they'll also be eligible to apply for more, subject to a minimum investment of £500. Others will be able to apply for Royal Mail shares via a government-run website, through an intermediary, or the old-fashioned way, by picking up an application pack at a post office. I'm joined now by Richard Hunter, Head of Equities at Hargreaves Lansdowne, which is one of several dozen institutions appointed as an intermediary to help with the sale of the shares. Richard, the pricing details have not yet been announced, but we do know quite a lot about what Royal Mail's strategy will be once it is a publicly quoted company. Is it likely, do you think, to be a good investment for for private shareholders? I think it's fair to say that um, it's it's difficult to take a view ahead of having seen the uh, prospectus or indeed uh, the, what the share price is being in terms of the metrics. But there are a number of things we do know where we can make a, an observation from afar. For example, the very fact that Royal Mail will be raising this money uh, should provide commercial discipline to the, to the company. Uh, it should al- also provide capital, of course, for it to be able to continue to invest um, in terms of modernising um, the way that it's working. And even in terms of the, the figures that we have been given, we, we know that leading up to sort of 2012-ish, uh, Royal Mail was in a particularly difficult place. Operating margin in 2011, for example, was 0.2%. Uh, it's currently in excess of 4%. Um, and they're, they're pointing to the example of Deutsche Post, which, after its privatisation, managed to raise those margins to well over 
8% and it, it's, it's hoping that it can do something similar. On the downside, of course, um, part, part of its most successful part of the business is the parcel side, where it's got intense competition from the likes of TNT, DHL, etc. Um, you could see the, the Universal Postal Service, um, which is enshrined in statute as, as something of a millstone. Um, and, of course, there's, there's the inevitable demise of the likes of uh, birthday cards and Christmas cards from the younger generation, which have been taken over by emails and, and so on. So that particular part of the business will, will remain under pressure. So so what we can do at this stage is to say those are the, the more obvious pros and cons, but clearly the actual decision to invest will be based on information as and when we receive it. Okay, now a lot, an important consideration for a lot of investors will be uh, the level of dividend. Is Royal Mail going to pay a dividend? Do we know? They have specifically said that that's likely to, to be the case. Um, in fact, they're proposing a, a dividend for this financial year of um, £133 million, which will be paid in July next year. Uh, they're, they're working that out on the basis of two-thirds of the full-year dividend, uh, on the basis of, of when the shares actually come to float. Um, it could be argued that that implies uh, a dividend yield of, of around 6%, which, of course, given the current interest rate environment, would be uh, very much an attraction for the stock. In previous um, share sales, especially recently, um, demand has been very high. Now, if uh, demand for this uh, flotation is much greater than the, than the shares available to the public, how will that work? Who will decide who gets what? Yes, after the offer... Um, has closed. Um, Royal Mail are at pains to point out that there will be a, 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 an equality of, of the way that the shares will be distributed. But just going back to the good old privatisations of the past, uh, it used to work either on a simple pro rata basis, depending on how many shares were available, or there were preferences given to um, the people who had applied for larger amounts. I mean, the minimum um, investment in this in this stock will be £750, but there's no maximum amount. So they've not been clear on how um, the process will work at this stage, except to say it will be done without any preference of, of institutions over individuals, for example. And finally, the uh, unions, are, of course, are very opposed to the, um, to the sale of, of Royal Mail. They think it will uh, affect investment. They think it will... Um possibly threaten the Universal Postal Service. Could union opposition, which may include strikes, uh, derail the sale, or do you think the government will, will push on regardless and, and it will proceed? The Royal Mail have said, um, obviously in anticipation of that question, that um, they can't see that the um, any strike action will derail the IPO, um, given the considerable political will that there is in the background. So um, it's certainly not going to be a positive initial PR, but it shouldn't detract from the investment case of, of Royal Mail itself. Thank you very much. That was Richard Hunter, Head of Equities at Hargreaves Lansdowne. And if you're wondering whether to take up the offer, then you can find out more in this weekend's FT Money where we have a comprehensive Q&A on how it's all going to work. If you can't get to a newsagent this weekend, you can always read FT Money via the FT's tablet apps on Kindles and online at www.ft.com forward slash money. If you want to leave comments, you can do so online at the foot of articles or you can email us. The address is money at ft.com. Still to come on the show, the insurance companies who are trying to persuade their customers not to shop around for a better annuity deal. But first, let's look at the outlook for interest rates. 
Mark Carney, the stylish, persuasive and ultra-well-groomed governor of the Bank of England, recently introduced a key policy known as forward guidance. He has made future increases in interest rates conditional on unemployment falling to a certain level and says this should give businesses and consumers confidence that interest rates are not about to shoot up. Borrowers clearly believe him. Surveys show that the public does not expect interest rates to go up any time soon. But the markets do not believe him. Encouraged by better-than-expected data on everything from housing to jobs, they have effectively priced in a rate rise anything up to two years before the bank thinks there will be one. The yield on 10-year gilts, which represents the cost of borrowing for the government, recently topped 3%, compared to a low of 1.4% just a year ago. Who's right? And does it matter? Does the Bank of England have that much control over your mortgage rate anyway? I'm joined by Norma Cohen, the FT's demography correspondent and a connoisseur of economic data. Norma, at the heart of this difference of opinion seems to be a fundamentally different view of how robust the UK's economic recovery is. So let's start with the case for rates rising sooner. Why do the markets think that rates might go up in 2014 as opposed to, say, 2016? It's It really comes down to a question of how enduring you believe the recent signs of recovery really are. We had unexpectedly an upward revision to second quarter GDP to 0.7%. And if, if the economy continued to expand at that rate, it would be expanding by nearly 3% a year, which by historical standards would be quite strong. We've also had a slew of better than expected data on everything from, as you say, from retail sales to housing. Uh, but it's quite clear that the Bank of England is skeptical about just how deep and how enduring this recovery is. For example, yesterday we had a better-than-expected jobs report which showed that unemployment fell to 7.7%, and the bank itself has signaled that 7% unemployment is the point at which it would consider raising rates. But when you look beneath those numbers, what do you see? One of the things you see is that the number of part-time jobs is at a record high. And uh, as are the number of people who are working part-time who would really rather be working full-time. And uh, what the bank is concerned about is that productivity, output per worker, is 10 or 15 percent below where it really ought to be. And when productivity is as slack as that and demand is as slack, the bank is is expecting that there's a good deal of room for the economy to expand before any sign of inflation creeps in. Now, obviously, um, the Bank of England sets the base rate. It's 0.5%. It's been at that level for more than three years. But there are other interest rates, the, the rate at which banks borrow for, uh, and lend to each other, for instance, the interbank rate. And then there's the yield on gilts, which is largely down to supply and demand. Which of these rates matters the most for the man on the proverbial Clapham omnibus? Well, there are other factors besides the absolute cost of money that go into the pricing of debt that consumers, household borrowers, and even business borrowers would use. And among them are uh, supply and demand and competition. The bank rate the, is the short-term cost of money, and it often forms the basis for other forms of debt. Uh, but 
looking at rates on consumer debt, for example, uh, you can see that it's had very little effect on uh, credit cards. Uh, and it's had a negligible effect on overdrafts. Uh, where it does seem to be having an effect uh, is possibly in mortgage rates, although other things are going to affect that, including the kinds of incentives banks now have to make mortgage loans and uh, the amount of competition that exists between them. That's lucrative business for banks. So that's how it all adds up to a, a very complicated picture. There's no, it seems, clear answer um, for who is right and when uh, rates are going to go up. But the, um, one other thing that's come out this week is this kind of big debate over the, the quality of the recovery and the fact that um, that actually this is far from a, a, a big rebalancing of the UK economy. What's What's been happening there? Well, this is probably one of the things that is troubling the uh, Monetary Policy Committee. Uh, at the very start of the recession, uh, the former governor, Mervyn King, said that this was an opportunity for the UK economy to rebalance away from its dependence on domestic consumption and uh, buying of homes and and towards a more export-driven economy. And that really hasn't happened yet. And if anything, the recent pickup in housing demand and uh, rise in house prices suggests we may be reverting back to the kind of economy we had when the recession started. So that's lots of borrowing, lots of spending and lots of buying and selling of houses. Norma, thank you very much. You can read lots more about the $10 million interest rate question, including more on what really drives savings and mortgage rates in this weekend's FT Money. Of course, you can check up on the latest savings rates at any time on our website. The address is ft.com forward slash money and you just need to click on the tools and calculators link. On to our final item for today. The financial regulator is facing fresh calls to intervene in the 14 billion a year annuity market, following new claims that insurance companies are not playing fair with their customers. In March, the Association of British Insurers, the trade body for life assurers and pension providers, launched a new code of conduct designed to help those approaching retirement shop around for the best deal as they look to convert their accumulated savings into an income for retirement, otherwise known as an annuity. But the Daily Mail reported this week that some insurers are still using tactics that are banned in that code, such as sending annuity application forms to those customers close to retirement. Previously, FT Money has also found examples of insurers encouraging savers to take the default annuity option rather than shopping around for the best deal. There are now calls for the Financial Conduct Authority to step up its policing of insurers. Joe Cumbo is here to tell us more. Firstly, Joe, can you remind us why the code was introduced in the first place and what exactly it stipulates? Okay, the code was introduced in March this year, so that's about six months ago, because quite simply, this market, too many people just don't shop around for what would be considered the biggest financial uh, decision or transaction in later life, that is buying a lifetime annuity. Currently, about 420,000 people a year buy annuities, yet only about four out of ten will shop around. So that's that's a very low statistic. 
what the code was designed to do and why it was drawn up was to boost the numbers of people shopping around. It's been shown that by shopping around, by going elsewhere than the provider who has helped you save for your pension, you can boost your income by up to 20 to 30% on a standard uh, annuity. Or if you suffer from medical conditions or have uh, lifestyle factors such as you smoke, you could get an even higher income. So simply by staying with uh, the company where you save for your pension um, may mean that you may not get the best income. And what have the latest investigations uncovered? What are these sharp practices that they Well, this to? this code was introduced in March this year and it was introduced with a lot of fanfare and we were told that it was going to be made compulsory on all the members who are the big insurance companies operating in this £14 billion a year market that um, it would help people shop around. What the um, Daily Mail reported this week is that they have received examples of the communications um, and sales um, communications that have gone out to customers. Uh, it has been handed to the newspaper. They've had a look at it and they've, um, they're suggesting that what they've seen is clearly flouting um, the, the code in a number of ways. Firstly, in uh, the, the packs uh, that they have seen annuity quote application forms were included. Now, this was banned because it was felt that by sending out application forms with a wake-up pack, which you get either six months or six weeks before retirement, just made it too easy for that person to just tick a box and send it back without doing the hard work and looking around to see if they could actually get a better income. So that was one of the things that insurers shouldn't be doing from March this year. And a couple of other things that the newspaper picked up, um, they found that some packs were including uh, information with 60 pages worth of information in it. Um, and also there was lots of jargon in the documents that were being sent out. And the code clearly uh, states that communications must be clear and jargon-free and it shouldn't sell products relying on customers' inertia and ignorance and sending out 60-page packs uh, full of information would suggest that people are going to end up quite confused if they have to wade through all of that. Now, presumably this is all fairly embarrassing for the uh, the ABI. How has the trade body reacted well, to this evidence? Well, they've acted fairly quickly. Um, they've said that they're taking uh, this research, which has been handed to them, very seriously. At the moment, what they're doing is undertaking a an independent review to see how its members are sticking to the code so they're doing that anyhow but this is going to make it even more urgent the fact that it's been out there in the newspapers and we're talking about it here today that members may be flouting those rules so what they've said is they're going to feed this research into this independent review that they're doing um, which is due to report next year. So it's not likely we will know until next year. The, no companies were named in the news reports. I might um, point that out as well. OK, and finally, what has the, uh, the regulator had to say? Are they going to, uh, to step in over at, this? Well, at the same time um, as this code was launched, earlier this year, the Financial Conduct Authority launched a review into the annuity market and the purpose of this review was to determine how much people have actually lost out by not shopping around. So they want to put a pound figure on that and they're um, busy getting lots of information from insurers uh, to try and look into their pricing and determine how much people have lost out. What they've told me this week is that 
that is still ongoing and that is likely to continue for a few more months yet, um, after which they will assess whether they need to move into a second phase. So they're not changing course because this information has been presented to them or written about. Um, At the moment, the ABI is dealing with it, but um, shopping around is very much on the FCA's radar. Thank you very much, Joe. There's lots more on this subject in this weekend's FT Money, including some advice on how you will know if an insurer is not playing fair. And we'd love to hear your comments too. You can leave views at the foot of stories on our website or you can email us directly. That address once again, money at ft.com. Other highlights in this week's paper... Tanya Poli looks at buying agents who aren't part of a redress scheme but should be and how the property market is faring five years after Lehman Brothers collapse triggered the global financial crisis. My column looks at whether stock market timing really works or not while our reader question of the week comes from a reader deliberating whether she should sign a no-nup agreement and if you're wondering what a no-nup agreement is well you can find out in this weekend's FT Money. You can also read about money online throughout the week at ft.com forward slash money, where you'll find blog posts and useful tools like our pension calculator and the latest annuity rates. But until next week, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Norma, Joe and our special guest, Richard Hunter. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.